Welcome to the like Destiny Podcast. Uh, I used to teach every week in the school, and so I'd have like lots of different things and lots of nice ideas, and uh, and then I got a different job, which I'll talk about in a minute. And so I ended up just trying to squeeze in once this week is school holiday, so I can come visit. Um, so then it's like of all the twenty messages I used to do, which one do I pick? So I've probably put all twenty in uh, somehow, trying to like bounce around, but. It means you've not heard all my jokes, so you'll you'll laugh at everything, and so it has its advantages. Um, um, but I think I just wanted to talk about sorry, this idea that God will introduce you to the real you. Um, something I've been thinking about the last few years and um, trying to work out. I think I'm really big on kind of the bigger picture. So anything I'm doing, I'm thinking, what's it all about? What we doing? Whether I'm uh, in a job or leading something or wherever I'm working, I'm just thinking, what's the bigger picture? What's going on? What's what's it all about? Um, and I, I've kind of grown up. I'll tell you a bit of my story. I've grown up in this church in Kingsway. We were in a different building, but same people. Uh, my mum and dad still go to Kingsway. Uh, and growing up in the church was great. Really enjoyed uh, coming here and I found that um, I was... I enjoyed coming to church as a kid, like went to Sunday school and really enjoyed it. I was kind of a nice, good kid, never really had any problems. Uh, And I learned all about God, learned all the stories and enjoyed it. Went to school, um, through secondary school, then did college and worked for a bit. And all that time, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I I get God. Like it makes sense to me. Didn't have a big problem. Didn't have an amazing uh, revelation the other way. I was just kind of like... Yeah, I believe God is there, and that's all right. Um, then I went to Bethel for a few years. Yeah, and yeah, just to rewind, growing up in Kingsway, it was normal just to see miracles. Like I remember an old lady's leg just growing out when I was a, a young boy. I'm thinking like, oh, that's great. But it, it just felt very normal, like that people would get healed. And I remember one time as a kid, and we all got gold dust on our hands, and like, oh, that's really cool. And yeah, so I think I grew up just thinking those were like, normal things for Christian, which of course they are, and experienced them. Then I went to Bethel, and when I was at Bethel, um, the main thing that happened there really was just um, a big revelation of, I think most people go to somewhere like that for like, heard about the miracles or revelation or people have heard of Bill or read his books, things like that. And I'd not, I'd not heard of Bill or much about Bethel, it was 10 something years ago now, so it wasn't quite as well known. Um, but for me, I was at a place where I was working for a year and I wanted to do some kind of year out. Um, and so I thought I want to do something with God. Didn't know what to do. So I applied to go to IHOP to Kansas City with Mike Bickle and thought, oh, I'd love to do a year there. And um, so I applied for it and didn't hear anything back. And applied again a few months later um, throughout this year of work and didn't hear anything back. And I'm thinking, it's a bit strange, but I was kind of in this query of like, well, I felt like God told me to do something for him. Shouldn't it not be just really easy? Where's, why is God not leading me on this? What's he doing? Uh, and then someone, I think someone came to visit, Jamie Galloway and Will Hart. Um, two guys came to visit, and they just started interning with Randy Clark. And they said, oh, you should come. Um, it was, I think it was an internship or a school with Randy Clark. You should come and do that. So Great. So I applied for that one and strangely didn't hear anything back. Um, play in a minute, okay. We can do it um, so I thought, oh, let's do Randy Clark one. Applied for the school. No, nope, didn't get anything back. Uh, and so again, I'm a bit in this place of like, I felt like I got Tom to do something, but nothing has kind of appeared yet. 
Um, then, long story short, I also wanted to go to Uganda for all I spend a year on Prayer Mountain. Uh, there's a mountain there where people just go and pray, and I'm like, let's do that for a year. I think Sharon was the one who was like, um, maybe you look for something with a bit more structure than just like you on a mountain for a year. But I'm like, oh, I'd just love to do that. And Sharon, in her motherly wisdom, was right. As a 19-year-old boy, just the plan, all the plan was to go to Uganda and pray. Uh, and she said, why don't you go somewhere with a bit more teaching or something? And her daughter, Rebecca, had just come back from Bethel, always doing a year. So anyway, she came back, told me loads of stories. And I just remember her saying, like, do these things called treasure hunts where you jump in a car and you all have different clues. And one person says, go down this road, go left. There's a blue door. There's a guy wearing a red jumper and he's got pain in his knee. And so they jump in the car and then they go down this road, knock on the blue door. There's a guy in a red jumper and you say, hey, have you got pain in your knee? He says, yeah. And he gets healed. And she told me one of those stories, and I was like, I think that's, that's for me. That's something that I really want to be a part of. Um, so that was kind of my main reason for going for Bethel was like, that just really excites me. So I went there, had a great time. Uh, the biggest thing for me was just revelation of how um, close God was, I think, um, especially at Bethel. Just I'd always believed in God, but it was very much God up there in heaven, God up there in the sky in his kind of white robes, big beard. That was my picture of him it wasn't very personal and I think when I got to Bethel it got more and more personal um and again growing up I'd really really wanted to please God tried my best to kind of do all the right things and especially as a teenager and going through puberty and all my hormones and everything I'm kind of like figuring out well what's going on what's all this um crazy stuff in the world um I didn't have a radical like I didn't go off and be a good dealer and kill people and then come back. I was just kind of a fairly normal teenager. But I, I'd try really hard, especially on a Sunday, in the middle of worship, feel really close to God, and I'd make all these promises like, God, this is it, this week is yours forever. I'm going to do all the right things. I'm going to say all the right things and talk to everyone about you and pray all the right things. I really meant it. I didn't feel like I was kidding myself. I really meant it in the moment. Um, and then Monday morning would come, and I'd like get up nice and early before school, and I'd pray and spend time with God, uh, feel really good. So I feel like I'm up here with God there on Tuesday. I wake up a bit later and being a bit of rush. And like, oh, I've got to do my homework. Oh, I've not got time to spend time with God. And I feel like I'm slipping a bit. And then the next day, like, well, I'm not really that close to God because I missed yesterday. So I might as well just write the week off and start again next week. You understand the picture I'm painting? I felt close to God and then I felt further and further away. As the week went on by Friday, I'm like, you know what? This week is just a write-off. Let's start again. Um... Sorry, that's a bad one. Let's start again next week. Um, try again. And Sunday would come and I'd spend the first half of church saying sorry, sorry for all those bad things, sorry for all the things I did and all those things. Uh, and then I'd, after a while of saying sorry, I'd feel God in worship. Um, and then I'd be up here again making all these promises. And I, that was a fairly normal week for me kind of growing up. I'd feel close to God and then I'd, from my side, pull away and then think, oh, that's that. Um but what's really changed for me, it wasn't even at Bethel. It was kind of after Bethel, being back part of Kingsway. And Kingsway was um, talking a lot about grace, as I'm sure you've heard, and the finished work of the cross and all about what Jesus has done. And when I came back from Bethel, I felt really full. I felt like I've heard so much teaching, like two or three, kind of where you guys are at, two or three sermons a day for two years. I felt like, I see it, I just need a detox. Like, just let me learn about some of that instead of hearing any more teaching. But there was something slightly strange about Kingsway because it wasn't just teaching it was people just doing radical things like people running around shouting I'm free I'm free and 
come to church in their pajamas because I'm like, hey, I'm so free and crazy, I can do this. And I was a little bit like, well, I've just come back from Bethel and it's all very, it was just a very different experience. So coming back here, and there's people running around in pajamas and like doing prophetic acts and there's all this. And I'm kind of like, and it was all on this revelation of that I'm free, I'm forgiven. And for me, I'm thinking that's, that's great. I fully believe that I'm free, fully believe that I'm forgiven, but it doesn't make me want to run around in my pajamas or like do crazy things. Um, so I realized something kind of not right. I'd even got to the point where after a few years, thinking that I'm just not getting it. There's something missing. Like why is everyone else talking about, oh, I'm forgiven. I'm like, did I just get this 10 years ago? And they're really behind me. Or is there something more to it? Like, that's one of the key things you learn in Sunday school is that you say, sorry for your bad stuff and Jesus forgives you. Why are we all like going crazy about this in our 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever age everyone is? Um, and what I began to realize, for me, I just realized, um, I had a bit of revelation of where God was, first of all. Um, and I used to, again, picture God was up in the sky. And um, it was when I realized that I prayed a prayer as a kid of saying something along the lines of Jesus, come into my heart, I give you my life, come live inside me. And I just felt God remind me of that one day. And I don't remember the exact date it was or the age. But I just remember God saying, just reminding me that I prayed that prayer. And then I just felt him say that he's, he's never left. So as a kid, I'm saying, Jesus, I give you my life, come live inside me. And God told me that he's never left. This was like however many years on, 20 years or something. I'm thinking, wow, so that means Jesus is in here. Jesus is in my heart. He's not miles and miles away. And that's when it all started for me. Because I used to think that if I do something bad, then I need to move away from God. Because there's no way God can be around me being bad. Does that make sense? So I'd start to think, if, well, if I'm the bad guy, then I'm just going to leave God for a week. Hopefully that's enough time to get myself clean again and we'll start again on Monday. But when I realized God is in here and he said he's never left, that means if I'm doing something bad, he's still in here. So then I'm kind of stuck between like, wow, either God is okay with sin. You know what I mean? This kind of like, why is God not running away when I'm doing bad things? Uh, maybe, you know, and I didn't believe it, but the thoughts fly through your head. Maybe God's okay with it. No, that wouldn't work. What's going on? How are we going to work this one out? Uh, and that's when I suddenly all this stuff that people were talking about week after week after week in church. And it kind of felt like, come on, have we not got any more sermons or can we not talk about something else? All people talking about is being forgiven, being forgiven. And then it kind of, the two things came together. I'm thinking, God is with me. Even if I do something bad, God is with me. And then someone is sharing from the front that like, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And I'm like, oh, slowly. And, it, you know, I'm talking over years here. All this stuff started to make sense. And I'm realizing, like, actually, the reason I can be around God, the reason me and God can be so close, because I don't carry my bad stuff anymore. But Jesus is taking it all away. And then everything changed for me. I really began to believe that Jesus was close to me. I really believed that he was here. It changed the way that I prayed. I used to pray, like, God, if you're up there, please will you do this? And then it changed to just a conversation. I used to try and have times with God every morning. And now it just turns into, partly because I have kids and life is busy, it just turns into, like, Constant conversation with God. Wherever I am, talking to him. One of my favorite things is just hearing his voice. But I find if I sit down too much and think, right, I need to hear God, then like I just struggle to hear what he's saying. It's like too forced. And it's almost like if me and Silly go on a date, um, I say, okay, let's let's talk. Then it becomes a bit like, well, 
what we're talking about? Is there something it? Do you know what I mean? You kind of create it almost to make a bit, put too much pressure on it. Whereas if, if that was the only time we talked, it would be a bit all over the show. Whereas what I've learned, obviously, being married to Slate, is that we just talk all the time. Um, wherever we are, we could be in the car, we could be uh, walking in the park, putting the kids in the bath, whatever's going on, we're just talking all the time. And that's what I found my relationship with God is like. Um, and growing up, I didn't really have a... I didn't feel I had a... Did you want to say something? No. Not yet. Okay, it's in that blue bag next to the table. And growing up, my view of myself wasn't very... I don't think it was very good. Uh, I wasn't bullied at school, but I never really fit in. I was kind of... I wanted to please everybody, and in the end, it just didn't work. So I wanted to kind of try and be the cool kids, although I knew I wasn't really... I wanted to kind of be with the really clever guys, but at the same time, I wasn't quite there. And so I ended up just kind of having no opinions about anything, just wanting to fit in. Um, if someone liked that kind of music, I liked it. If they didn't, then I didn't really like it. Do you understand? I was kind of like, just wanted to get through school without drawing any attention to myself. That was kind of my goal. Like, I'll just try and look and act and behave as neutral as I can. And if I'm supposed to be kind, I'll be kind. If I'm supposed to be mean, I'll be mean. So I really kind of struggled finding myself in all that. Um... And what I've found, this is kind of what the point I'm trying to get to, I've just found that God has just really introduced me to who I really am, um, who I really am. Um, and I've lost the page now. But I just read in the Bible um, a while ago where Jesus calls his disciples and he's walking along and he says to them, like, and they're just out fishing. And God says to them, like, hey, um, hey, why don't you, hey, Joseph, these guys are just fishing and Jesus walks along and says, hey, why don't you come and follow me? Um, and for me it's in that moment where everyone else just sees them as fishermen everyone else is just like oh, those are the guys fishing but Jesus looks at them and says like hey come with me everything's about to change so when everyone else sees him as a fisherman or everyone else sees them as that's just what they do that's just their job Jesus has a really different perspective on them and I love that Jesus sees them different how everyone else does and I found that I used to see myself as just the quiet guy but I've, over the last few years, God has been introducing me to who I really am. Um, I'll give you a few examples, which might help. Um, so, have you heard of Love Sale? Has it been mentioned or heard about it? So, go on the streets, random acts of kindness, that kind of thing. So, we started it a few years ago. Uh, and at the time, it, it was never my idea, but somehow it became my thing. Um, we just kind of decided on a leaders' meeting, oh, this would be a really fun thing to do. So we'd go into sale and, like, run into the pound bakery and, like, excuse me, just want to buy everyone's lunch today. There's a pound, there's a pound, there's a pound. You know, and people loved it. And then run into the coffee shop. Uh, if it's okay with you, I just want to buy everyone in here a coffee and buy people coffees and um, give out flowers and all that. Just really, really good fun. There's one soon, isn't there? Um, who's next week? Great. Yeah, I'm sure there's one soon. It's a week on Saturday. Um, so I had loads of fun with that. Um, and then what happened when we did the first one, um, people loved it. Like lots of people in sale were talking about it, some of the businesses, and we we're just trying to find out what people thought. Then where we're going to do the next one, um, someone from the local newspaper phoned up the Kingsway office uh, and said like, hey, I've heard that you, are you the guys who do this like kindness thing? Um, and I, I never pick up the phone in the church office. I'm like, I'm not a big fan of using the phone. So I happened to pick up the phone. 
I'm like, oh, hello, Kingsway. Um, hi, just wanted to talk to someone about uh, this event, Love Sale. I've seen seen a few things online. Um, could you tell me tell me what it's all about? So, oh, well, the guy you need to talk to is not here. Um, I'm like thinking Andy or Timo. I said, oh, here's my number. Could you get him to give me a call back? We wanted to put something in the paper. So I'm thinking, this is great. Let's put it in the paper. I'm This is not for me. Um, so then I'm like texting Timo, like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. Um, like nothing from Timo. Texting Andy, like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. Any chance you can get in touch with him by five o'clock today so we can put it in the paper um, for tomorrow. And like nothing from Timo or Andy. And normally they're like really quick. And that's when I'm start panicking because I'm in the office till five. No one else is around anywhere. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to phone this guy back. I'm thinking this, on the one hand, I'm thinking this is great. Let's tell everyone who lives around here about Love Sale. At the same time, I'm thinking, I don't want to be that guy. Anyway, so I phoned the guy back and said, oh, I'm really sorry. The guy you need to talk to is not in the office at the moment. Any chance we can do it next week? He says, no, it's going to have to be today. And just started asking me questions about it. Um, he said, oh, it's great. And what's your name? I said, oh, my name's Ben. Um, oh, where did you go to school, Ben? I went to Western Mersey. Oh, great. How old are you? And I'm kind of like going along, but panicking slightly. Then says, oh, I've got a photographer in the area. Any chance you can come by now? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, and said, oh, yeah, um, just to go with the article that you've just, <laughs> that we've just written together. Any chance you could come by? So, long story short, um, this guy comes by. He came by our flat that night to me and Celia. It made us do this really cheesy pose, like holding out a coffee cup, like, da-da, mean Celia, uh, with a You Are Love card. And I'm like, what is going on? Uh, anyway, the next, uh, next, next day, I started getting texts from people like, great, oh, it looks really cool. And I'm like, what? Uh, and everyone's like, great, can't believe you got front page. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then my, I think it was my dad who's like, great that you're on the front page. And like, we didn't get the paper where I lived. So I'm like, what is going on? Like, text my dad, like, what do you mean? He says, oh, you and Silly on the front page of the uh, the messenger, the local paper. I'm like, what? Because um, we don't get the paper, and I'm, like, really intrigued now. So I have to actually go to the corner shop, buy the paper with my face on. So I'm like, <laughs> fold it in half. I'm like, please don't look that that's me. Bought the newspaper. Um, and, like, went home to Silly, like, what did they do? So what I thought was just a little, like, oh, just a chat. That's what it became. My kind of point is just saying that is that was God introducing me to who I really am. If God had said, Ben, I want you to start Love Sale and I want you to um, tell the newspapers, go on the front page and let everyone in sale know about it, I would have said no. But this is where my chocolate coins come in. What I've learned about God is that he knows me really well and that I'm learning to know him really well. And what I thought God was doing is just kind of putting something in front of me. And all he was doing was saying like, um, hello. Okay. Don't say anything. Okay. I felt God was just saying like, um, just saying, Ben, here's this idea about love sale. And that was like the first coin that he put in front of me. And I grabbed that and I kind of like, what a great idea to do something like love sale. Then we get a few people together and just have this idea of, oh, we should talk to the businesses. Um, and that, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. It's a good idea. And God had given me this kind of next next step. All I'm doing is just following along, just kind of picking up these coins like, oh, what a great idea, what a great idea. Then I kind of look up for a minute, and suddenly I'm on the front page of the newspaper. Does that make sense? This is God like Mr. Sneaky, just walking along and saying, you can have one at the end. Um, 
Whereas I know if God had just said to me, like, Ben, this is what I'm going to do. There's no way he would have done it. But I felt like he, he knows me. He knows who I think I am. And he knows that I don't think I'm capable. At the same time, he's saying, Ben, this is who you are. So anyway, we ended up on the front page of the local newspaper. Then what happens is, uh, next time we're doing Love Sale, um, the, um, the radio, the um, people on the radio, uh, BBC Radio Manchester, again, phone up the church office, uh, not learnt my lesson to wipe the cup. Same kind of thing of like, hey, you're the Love Sale guys. I'm like, well, kind of, there's some of us here. Like, who, who do I need to talk to? I said, oh, guy called um, Andy Britton, he like leads the church, He'll, he can tell you all about it. Um, so then, same kind of thing, try to get hold, long story short, try to get hold of Andy, nothing from Andy, and the guy's like, any chance you could come on tomorrow morning in the breakfast show and like tell everyone all over Manchester about Love Sale, we'd love you to come in. And I'm kind of like, well, Andy's not available, he'd be the best guy, I'm like, Timo, try and get hold of Timo, nothing from Timo. Which is really strange. Either those two are onto it, like, just let's just ignore Ben for a few hours, which doesn't normally happen, that I'm aware of. Um, anyway, so, so it just happens, the same thing. So the next morning, and that whole night, I'm like, so I just agreed to it. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to come. Um, so we go to Media City, and, and that whole night, I'm like, not sleeping. I'm stressing out, like, what, what are we even all about? I don't even know what Love Sale is. Suddenly, can't remember anything. Like, what's going to happen? Um, all these kind of things. Um Okay. Can you move up a bit? Okay. So, come on then. So, long story short, I end up going into Media City the next, the next morning on the radio, and it goes all over. It went really well, but I felt like I'm just putting these in a line. Do you want to do them? And I felt like that was kind of the next thing where, again, if God had said, Ben, I want you to start this thing called Love Sale, and you're going to go on the radio. Um, all over Manchester. And then I had my friends from school kind of like, hey, who do you on the radio? Um, wow, that's so cool what you're doing. Again, if God had said that, I'd be like, no chance. It's not, I honestly wouldn't have done it if God had said, if I'd have known what would have happened. Um, let me keep that one. Then, um, then it started getting a bit crazy. After we did that Radio Manchester one, then like Radio 5 Live, which is like national radio, phoned up said, hey, just heard you on Radio Manchester. Can you come on our show in about an hour? Tell everyone what you're doing. Um, all about love sale. I'm like, uh, by now, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Okay, that's fine. Let's just do it. Um, then a few months later, the next one comes along. Uh, we're doing love sale again. And then what happens is um, BBC Northwest Tonight, which is the local TV, like the local news show, come along and said, hey, again, long story short, we've heard about this. Uh, any chance you could, you could come on and we could... Um, we could film what you're doing, do an interview, and then put it out there. And I'm like, well, it's not really... Uh, I'm kind of like learning my lesson by now. I'm just like, God, if this is you, then let's do it. So what happened is they came along, filmed us doing a love sale, went out on the news that night. And again, loads of people are like, hey, saw you on the news, saw you doing love sale. And that's, that's not me at all. Like, There's no way I'd want to be the face of it or telling everyone about it or anything like that. But I just want to show you the way that God does that. Just like with the fishermen, all they're doing is they're just along getting their fish. And then Jesus comes along and says, like, hey, why don't you follow me? Everything's about to change. He sees something in them that they don't see themselves. He's introducing them to who they really are. Same with me on this journey where I'm walking along and God says, like, hey, Ben, just do this, just do this, just do this. And one thing I've realized is that God, 
kind of God stands at the end and looks back and puts everything in place that he needs to do it. Whereas I've been kind of laying them out this way, I think what God does, whoops, I think God stands at this end. He stands at the end and says, right, let's put this one down, put this one down, put this one down, put this one down. So I'm looking at this end, and all I can see is the next one. And God is saying, like, Ben, why don't you do this? So I go and pick that one up. And when I've done that, God's like, hey, Ben, what about this? Isn't that a cool idea? And I think I've had the idea myself. I think I've come up with a great idea. What's happened is God has just dropped it in like it's all part of the plan. And I pick up the next one. Then something else happens, and I'm just following this journey. Great, thanks, darling. And what I realize is that's just what my life has been about. Just, I feel like I'm just making it up as I go along. Um, give you another example. So if you, after when I came back from Bethel, I was the youth pastor here. Um, just started working with the teenagers and... So I was a youth pastor here and working with them. And then I just kind of felt like, did you just bang your face? No. Naughty. Um, after, after being the youth pastor for about seven years, I just felt like, um, just I used to go in one day a week with Youth for Christ. I used to go into schools and we'd do like assemblies or we'd do different lessons or Christian unions. And I just really enjoyed, like, being in the school environment. Um, and so after doing that for about a year, just had this thought, which is another one of these kind of, like, God just dropped a thought in. Um, and the thought was just, like, wouldn't it be cool to work in a school? So I just had this thought and then thought, actually, I think I'd really like to get a job in a school. I wonder how I'd be able to do that. And then over, I think it was over Christmas, so a bit of time off, and all the time I was thinking about it, just thinking, yeah, it'd be really good to do something in school. So then I um, met with Andy and Sharon at the start of the year, last year, and I met with them and said, just wanted to let you guys know, at some point this year, I'm thinking, uh, I think I want to get a job working in a school, working with teenagers, because I thought the stuff we're doing with our guys is brilliant. What if we could just put that on a bigger scale, just to like thousands and thousands of people, students? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, yeah, I'll tell a bit more about that in a minute. So I met with Andy and Sharon and said, some point this year, I think I'm going to get a job in a school. Um, and they were like, that's brilliant, you know, totally support you, don't worry about all the stuff here, we'll make it all work. If you want to do that, go ahead and do it. Um, then, two hours, just a minute, two hours later, two hours later, after meet with Annie and Sharon, So, talking with Annie Sharon, two hours later, someone phones me up and says, would you like a job in a school? And I'm kind of like, totally out of the blue, no one else knew that. Like, yeah, I think, I'd, think I would like a job in a school. She said, great, because I've put your, fo- your name forward for this job. I'm like, what? Why have you done that? She said, oh, well, I just thought, and no one knew I was looking for anything else. As far as anyone else knew, I was just here working in the church with the young people. She said, oh, I've put your name forward for it. I think you'd be great. Um, sorry, I am slightly present. So out of the blue, this girl phones up and says, hey, why don't you get a job 
this job in a school. I'm like, yeah, sounds great. Sounds like it'd be a good thing. Um, so I've, all I've done is gone from thinking, I had this little daydream, had this little idea of like, wouldn't it be cool to have a job in a school? Then suddenly, someone phones up and says like, one of one offer you this job. And again, all I'm doing is walking along, just taking these things. Um, same thing has happened in the last few last few months with us going to Norway. So, um, Silly's dad just phones us up and says like, hey, would, I've been thinking, I suddenly had this thought of, wouldn't it be great for you guys to come and um, run our school of ministry in Norway? Said that to Cilia, and Silly's like, oh, dad, like, he's always saying to us, oh, you should come, come move to Norway. So we kind of laughed it off. Sit there. Um, kind of left it off like, oh, that's funny. Um, then she said, well, I'll talk to Ben when he comes home from work, like, see what happens. So I come home and Silly's like, hey, Dad says we should go to Norway and run the school of ministry. And I'm kind of like, ah, whatever. Like, he says that every time we see him, like, oh, why don't you come over? I left it off. And then the next day, 24 hours later, I've been to work again. And Silly's like, I've been thinking a little bit about Norway. Like, maybe we should do it. I'm like, well, you know, I'm working in the school now. All the kind of reasons why not. Um, and they said, well, you know, yeah, it would be nice, but I can't really see us moving everything over there. Like, I don't think that would happen. Um, but the, the way it just happened, again, long story short, every day Silly would say to me, like, so, have you thought any more about the school? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of like 10% there. There's a little piece of me could kind of see us doing it. Like, maybe there's a chance we could we would go to Norway, but not really. I'm like 10% there. And the next day Silly would be like, hey, Talk any more about it? I'm like, well, actually, I was thinking about it all night. I'm probably like 20% there. Not not full on, but maybe I could kind of picture it, imagine, uh, picture us doing it, um, going along. And then, long story short, every day I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm starting to picture us doing it a bit more, thinking about it. I'm thinking, actually, I think this might be might be the right thing to do. Um, so we went back to him and said, could you just tell us a bit more about it? Um, think maybe it's something that we want to do. Um, but then, of course, it's all logistics. Well, what about a house? What are we going to do for a house? Um, so me and Silly are talking about that. And then the next day, Silly's dad FaceTimes us from, like, the side of this hill overlooking a fjord. He's like, hey, what do you think about the view? Like, yeah, it looks great. Where's that? Like, oh, well, a friend of mine is a developer, and he's building some houses. Um, why don't I put your name down for one? And we're like, what? We've, like, barely said yes to the job. I'm not sure if we said yes or we were interested, like... <laughs> What just happened? I'm like, I think I just got a job in Norway. And he's like, so do you want it? I'm like, what? Want what? Um, so, well, shall I just put your name down anyway? And then you can change your mind if you want. Sure. I think I've just got a job and a house in Norway. Uh, and then it's like, well, the girls' school and all that. Long story short, everything's just like, um, Silly's mom is talking to someone. And it turns out the principal of the school where we want them to go in Norway is a friend of Silly's dad. So he just, bumped, and we'd like sent an email to the school, heard nothing back, a um, few weeks, I'm kind of like, oh, I thought we would have heard by now. Um, so Silly just mentions it to her dad. He randomly bumps into the principal of the school and says like, hey, my daughter, my grandchild's thinking of coming. Um, and then half an hour later, we get an email. Hey, she's been accepted in the school. I'm like, wow, within a few days, we've found somewhere to live, got a job and found a school. Uh, then it's like time to move out of our house here, so we've been packing up the last few weeks. Oh, what do we do with all that stuff? Do we sell it? Do we move it? And then one of Naomi's friends, Ralu, do you want to tell them what Ralu's going to do? 
She's going to live in our house. Um, so we, they said they were looking for somewhere. Their tenancy runs out the day that the day ours does as well in their old place. They need a bigger room. So all that kind of came together. Uh, but then still got all our furniture. Where are we going to put that, store that, everything? And then um, Lou's mum and dad said, well, they don't, they don't have any furniture. Um, they're just they're unfurnished. So we said, why don't you come around and have a look, see if there's anything you want. And they came around and basically took everything. Like, oh, we'll take your beds, your wardrobes, your kids' wardrobe, washing machine, everything else. I'm like, that was a ridiculously easy move. So, of course, we've still got all our stuff and everything, but taking apart all the big furniture, which I'm not a fan of. It just kind of, like, happened in front of us. It's the same thing where if God had said to me, like, right, Ben, when you're 20, whatever I am, 29, you're going to pack everything up and go to Norway. I would have been like, ah, I don't know how to do that. My logistical mind would have kicked in, like, what about this and this? I'm not sure I can do that or that. Like, how's this going to work? But all God does, excuse me, is just kind of, like, put this thing in front of me where he just plants this idea of like and again if God had said I want you to lead a school of ministry I'd have said like no that's that's not me you know and I've watched Timo do it for years and years and thought it's phenomenal but I'm not Timo like he does it his way there's no way I could do it his way and it's the same thing where God is just introducing me to who I really am because if you'd have said could he lead a school of ministry I'd have said no if you'd have said could I be the youth pastor? I would have said no. If you'd have asked those guys, first disciples, could you be disciples of Jesus? Could you go and do all the miracles? They probably would have said no. But Jesus is introducing them to who they really are. He sees something different in them and says, like, this is you, this is for you, this is for you. So when I'm going, like, there's no way I could lead a school of ministry, God just puts this little thing in front of me, just this little thought. And I think I've had this thought of, like, oh, maybe that would be a good idea. But then just thinking about the... The process of it all where Silly's dad just has this thought one day of like, huh, they were looking for someone for the school. What about Ben and Celia? That's, that's one of those God moments where God just drops it in, um, setting it all in place for us. And all I'm doing is, again, I said before, God has stood at the back. God has stood over here and he's just laying all these things out. And he says, I know Silly and Ben, and I know at the end of his life, I'm all turned up now. At the end of his life, Ben is going to be over here. But if I just tell him like, Ben, this is you, he's going to freak out. So he puts all these little things in place. For me, that's really reassuring because it means I don't need to know the whole process. I don't need to know the whole picture. But I've spent my life making it up as I go along. Everything I've done for a job, I'm just like on the job training. I'm doing this kind of by accident. Um, when I was at Bethel, I'm saying, oh, I don't really want to work with young people. I don't really want to work with teenagers. Just annoying, like, give me a proper job, like in the church. I don't really want to do that um, or any kind of job. And as I come back, just started hanging out on a Monday night with the teenagers, just kind of hanging out with Timo. And something just changed in my heart where suddenly I'm like, really enjoying hanging out with these guys. That's one of those moments where God just puts something in front of me of like, oh, suddenly I've changed a little bit. And I'm thinking about them in the week and like how they're doing and thinking about how I can help them, how can I support them. And, and I'm kind of like, wait a minute. God has just kind of introduced me to who I really am. Does that make sense? It's kind of taken me from my perspective is there's no way I could do that. And then God is like, you know what, Ben? Just make it up as you go along. And so we started doing the youth work and really enjoyed it. And just the first few years, I was trying to do it like Timo. And that didn't work really well. Like, and he, just different skills, different everything. Um, and I kind of like struggling, kind of battling through this frustration of like, I just carried on doing what he was doing, but it wasn't really what was in my heart to do. And then Andy and Sharon, being as great as they are, we're just kind of like, you know what, Ben? Whatever you want to do, that's the job. 
was just phenomenal for someone because I'm sitting down thinking, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be like changing them or challenging them on their behavior? Like, what what is my job? Ben, whatever's in your heart is what we need to do. It's just frustrating and great at the same time. There is no job description. I'm like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But of course, being mum and dad, they're just kind of like, you know what? All we want to do is see you come alive. There's a reason why you're in the job. Just do it. So again, it's just God introducing me to me and saying like, Ben, this is actually who you are. You have no idea, but this is who you are. Um, and then when, we, when we're doing the youth work, I was kind of had all these programs and we were teaching on this and this and this. And then one night I had a dream. Um, and I, I might, you might have heard this already, but I was hugging one of our young people in the dream from behind, giving him a big hug. And then um, just saying, oh, I really love you, re- cheering you on, really honor you, love what you're all about. I said, oh, but it's just, you just need to change this. And you, what about this in your life? And come on, this is not a good choice. And uh, you need to stop doing that, stop doing that. Then he turned around to me in the dream and said, um, don't try and fix me, just love me. And then that's all I remember in the dream. It's kind of a simple thing, but for me, that, that changed the way we did everything then. So at that point then, I'm just realizing like, you know what? Instead of just doing all the programs, which is great, and they were working to some degree, we just changed everything. And so what we started to do was just think, how can we love these people? So we made our goal, how can we love them? Sat down with all our team and said, every young person that walks in the door, how can we love them? And we began to see them change from um, just coming along to this youth group and us doing our teaching and then they would hang out. We just changed it all. So the plan for tonight is just to hang out, get to know each other, love each other. And I'm saying to the team, the plan for, I want us to spend half an hour planning how can we make them feel loved when they come in. I'm saying the way we're going to measure success is whether they feel loved. So we're not going to worry about numbers. So if one person comes in, the goal is, did that one person feel loved at the end of the night? If Ten people come in, did they feel loved? So at the end of the night, when we're kind of filling out feedback form and how did it go, we're not thinking, how many people came tonight or who got saved tonight? We're not even thinking that. We're thinking, how many people felt loved tonight? Do you understand what I mean? It was just a really different shift for us. I've just found out that when people live differently when they know the loved. That's what we found after years of trying to tell. Um, I guess I'll have to keep it vague. Someone in our youth group, self-harming is not a good idea and telling them you don't need to do that you don't need to do that after years of trying to do it and like teach on it and all those things like there was just no change so what we started to do was just tell them you know what you're worth something like god doesn't make rubbish um you know you're worth so much and there's so much value and you're really great at being you and these are the things you're good at and over a year after a few years then this person totally just kind of started to believe it and as they started to believe how great they were then they stop self-harming. Now, for me, that's a huge thing because I've been taught, like, it's my job to... I felt it was my job to kind of change their behavior and try and fix them and stop doing this, stop doing this. And I felt I was a good youth pastor if they were if they were not in sin, if they were not whatever. I don't know who I thought I was that I could stop all these teenagers from sinning, but it wasn't working very well. Um, but then something great happened, and it's not an instant thing, but... We just thought, you know what, we're going to love them, we're going to love them. So it's just finding ways. How do you love a 13-year-old? One second, darling. How do you love a 13-year-old teenage boy? It's like, it's just into gaming. Doesn't really want to be there socially. Like, how do you do that? So we just began to find ways like, hey, what's your favorite game at the moment? 
And then we'd buy that for the whatever computer we had. I'm like, hey, we bought this game for you to play on. And he's looking like, what? Where do you do that? I'm like, hey, we love having you here and just want to hang out with you. We teach me how to do this. So you're starting to see this really like introvert, shy boy come alive when he's teaching all these other kids how to play this whatever game it was. You know, and loads, loads of different things like that. But our goal was just how can we make these people feel loved? As we did that, we saw them kind of change and become um, different people. Um, a point is, I think I'm out of time. All through my life, I feel like I'm just making it up as I go along. I've had no training as youth pastor. I've had no training as anything. Even the job I'm in now. So working in a school. Um, so I work as a teaching assistant now. And for me, when we were just putting these values in our young people here, and just seeing them kind of grow and change, I just thought, wouldn't it be really cool to do this in a different environment? Um, how could we do this with more people? And now I'm every day surrounded by a thousand teenagers and all the time I'm just thinking like, just being able to love on them. And I'm not a teacher. I'm not stood at the front teaching them. Just one minute. But what I'm doing is able to make relationship with them. I'm kind of one step between a teacher and a student. So hanging out with them, getting to know them. And I feel every day I'm just getting to love them, hear their stories. Um, I have one guy in my class and he's just always getting in trouble, always getting detentions. Uh... And I'm sitting down with him one day. I'm like, what is the problem? What's going on? Like, what are all your detentions for? Like, two or three a day, which is a lot. I'm like, why is this happening? Is it behavior? Is it whatever? And all it is is just not organized. So forgets to do his homework, doesn't do his homework, or he does it and leaves it at home. So he just gets in trouble. No one's sitting down with him and, like, trying to help him. So I, it kind of became my project. I'm like, okay, every day after school, come here for 10 minutes. I'll help you do your homework. I'll help you do this. Leave all your books here. Like, put them in this box, right on the side of his name. This is your box for your books. Every morning when you come in, meet me, I'll give you your books, and then you'll go on. And he's not getting detentions anymore. Because all he needs is someone to sit down with him and say, like, what's going on? What's the problem? The problem isn't behavior. The pro- and the thing is, he would, because he's so disorganized, he would get all these detentions for not doing his homework. Then he would forget to show up for the detentions, so they get doubled. So he's then got hour, two hours after school. And the poor kid is just kind of stuck in this system of that. He had no support at home, so no one is saying, like, hey, what homework have you got? How can I help you? So I just took him in. I'm like, hey, let me just help you. And that's my way of loving him. Like, I'm not, I can't tell him that I love him in those words. Like, that'd be a bit weird for me to do as a member of staff. But I'm showing it by taking time with him. Like, you know, after school, let's sit down. I'll make you a plan. These are what you need to do tonight. Leave all your books here um, so we can hand it in. And just kind of, do you understand what I mean? Painting that picture of rather than me, like, trying to change his life, I'm just thinking, how can I love him? What ways can I do that? And I'm just making it up as I go along. But I've just found as I do that, that's when God is leading me on this journey of like, Ben, just do this, just do this. And as I follow this trail, I kind of look up and realize, if I look back, I'm kind of halfway along here, I'm up to here. I look back, how on earth did I get here? How did I end up about to move to Norway to lead a school of ministry? Like, that's not me. Like, what? And I, you know, I'm a big introvert. I love time by myself. And my last 10 years... I've been people jobs, people, 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 doing youth pastoring, working for the church, surrounded by a thousand teenagers every day. That's all people. Like, again, on paper, that's not me. I'm there going, no, it's not me. I can't do that. But apparently God has a different perspective. Apparently God sees something else. So I think that's my kind of encouragement for you guys is partly, like, you don't have to have the whole picture. You don't have to know what's at the end. I really believe God stands at the end, looks back, and puts it in. And just another point on that, there isn't just one path. There isn't like one way. I used to think I have to try and figure out the one thing God has for me. 
And if I didn't want to do that or something happened and changed or I lost my job, like, that's it, the whole plan is gone. But what I've realized is that God is more, I see more like a cheerleader than anything else, rather than kind of dictator, like, hey, you have to do this. I see him, which is a strange picture. God more as cheerleader with his pom-poms and his, maybe not his little skirt. But kind of cheering us on, being like, Ben, you can do this, you got this. Uh, and I'm kind of like, should we go to Norway, should we not? And I just feel God's like, Ben, you got this. You know what? If, even if I don't think I can do it, there's something in me that's like, but maybe this is right for me. So I think that's my kind of encouragement. Let God introduce you to who you really are. Don't just kind of like, that's not me. You know, if someone comes along and says, hey, I want you to join the worship team, and your first response is like, whoa, I'm not ready for that, that's not me. I just spend some time just being like, God, show me who I really am. And just like take these tiny steps and then in however many years look up and realize, see what's happening around me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Let me pray for you guys and then we'll, then we'll finish girls. Okay? So Holy Spirit, thank you that you're really close. Thank you that you're in us. Thank you that you're always talking to us. Thank you that you're whispering to us. Thank you that we're always on your heart. You're always on ours. Thank you that you're so pleased just with us waking up in the morning. That we start from being pleased that. Before we even roll out of bed, you're just pleased with us that you, you know it's going to be a good day. Thank you for everything that you've got planned for us in the future, for everything you've got laid out. Thank you that every step is just put there by you. I thank you for the way that you see us. Thank you that you introduce us to who we really are. I just pray that we just have that mindset, that just to kind of take, be brave and take those steps when, without even seeing the whole picture or seeing the finish line, I'd just be able to, Look at what's next and take a take a step. Thanks, God. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.